This is the Christ candle. On Thursday night, several of us were here for a Maundy Thursday service. And there were several candles on the table, and towards the end of the service, all the lights in the room were down. In fact, there was no lights on except eight candles burning. Seven were gradually extinguished as the seven last words of Christ were read. And then only this candle was left, representing the light of Christ. I took this candle, I walked down the aisle, I went to the offices, and I slammed the door so loud that everybody in here could hear to represent the tomb being shut and that Christ was dead. And the people left in here, unlike a Sunday morning where we visit and chatter, left in darkness and silence. And we face the reality of the death of Christ. I've done Monday, Thursday services for years, and I've always appreciated it, but I I took this into my office where I usually do at that point and wait for people to leave, and I I just waited a while, and I leaned against the credenza in my office, and I stared at this, and, and I had this thought. What if there were no Jesus? I, I really had this thought. It just came to mind, what, what if there were no more Jesus? And I thought that's really what the disciples were experiencing at that moment, that Christ was dead and Christ was gone. And then I asked myself in the here and now, what if there were no Jesus? Would it really, really make a difference? Am I so wrapped up in the truth of the matter and what I teach and preach here? Is the living Christ real to me and alive to me? It was a little bit of a scary moment, actually. And then it's as if the presence of Christ reassured me and said, Yes, it does make a huge difference. And I was able to think through the times of, 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 of hearing from him, time with him, and there was a reassurance even in that moment. The Christ, in fact, is alive and present and active in our midst. I'm here to declare that Christ is risen, that Christ has defeated death, that Christ is real and Christ is in our midst and Christ is alive that Jesus rose from the dead and he defeated death, that he rose from the dead and he broke down walls and barriers that divide us from each other, and he broke down the wall that had always separated us from God. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he is alive and we can know him and live in the power of his presence. Jesus broke down walls, and that has changed everything. We're going to talk a little bit about walls Not that wall. I'm not going to get political today. (laughs) How many watch HGTV and home improvement shows? Come on, be honest. Of course you do. Um, I'm talking about everybody's favorite, Chip and Joanna Gaines. The Property Brothers get more of a mixed review. But in in these shows, even if you catch them a little bit, they, they always feature a homeowner or a house hunter. And they always state their preferences, right? And their preferences are always incredibly unrealistic and beyond their budget. But besides all of their preference, have you ever heard someone say on a home improvement show, you know, I'd really like a closed concept home. We'd like to build some walls with really narrow doors in them. That's really the feeling that we want in our home. Anybody ever heard anybody say that on on H? No. Everybody wants what? Everybody say it together. I want an open concept. And it might not even matter if it has granite or stainless, although granite is so out. 
And so begins a search then for that perfect open concept plan. Or more often, a plan to open up a house that's closed and to tear down walls. And we have then, what do we have? We have hashtag demo day, right? Who has a hashtag demo day shirt? Okay, yeah. And everything changes. No one wears a shirt that says hashtag build a wall day, do they? Tear the walls down, open concept. That changes everything in the home. We tore some walls down in our house. We moved to Naperville a little over eight years ago. And when we moved to Naperville, we said we were looking for an open concept, one-story house. But the only two in Naperville were already owned by other people, so we weren't able to buy those. So we ended up with a two-story boxy colonial with all kinds of walls, but otherwise was in very good shape and in a great neighborhood. And after a couple years of dreaming and planning, we tore down walls. We opened it up, and we think of what it was like before, and we look now and say, you know, this changed everything in the way our home works and makes it a much warmer and better place to be. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tore down walls and changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tore down the walls that divide us from one another. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ tore down the wall that had separated us from God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ tore down walls and changed everything. You might say that another name for Easter Sunday besides Resurrection Day is that it's the great hashtag demo day of God. When God tore down walls. As we meet the Apostle Peter in Acts 10 that Rose just read for us. He is experiencing a bit of a demo day himself. Demo is demolition, by the way, in case I lost a few of you along the way. The book of Acts comes after the four Gospels at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then that tell the story of Jesus, and then comes Acts, which tells us what happened after the resurrection and the empowerment and the growth and the spread of the church. In, this first, in the first part of this chapter, chapter 10 that we didn't read, Peter, who was a follower of Christ, had just had a vision from God that tells him now that he can eat all kinds of animals, that there are no more of the restrictions that he has grown up with as a good Jew, but he can eat everything. All animals now are clean. And the voice of God says to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So Peter gets this message, and next God leads him to meet a Roman man, a non-Jewish Gentile named Cornelius, who wants to know Jesus. Now, it's important. Up until now, this new Jesus movement that was only just this young infant movement, this new church, it was at this point, it was still just a Jewish thing. The Jewish people, were some of them were discovering that Jesus was the promised Messiah, but it was for Jews only. But in this vision and in this meeting, everything changes. God is tearing down the wall that separates the Jew and Gentile or the Jew and the non-Jew. The walls are falling between Jew and Gentile. And in this story, there are walls even inside of Peter's heart and mind that are being torn down because he'd always seen it this way and God hasn't seen it in a whole new way. Hashtag demo day for Peter and everything changes. As we jump in now where the reading begins, it says that Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And then he tells the story of Jesus, the wall basher. He tells of being an eyewitness. Peter was an eyewitness as Jesus traveled through Israel with a powerful ministry of healing and welcoming and proclaiming the good news of God. 
And also as Jesus challenged a a wall-building status quo that proclaimed faith in God but was keeping people from him. Peter tells of being there when Jesus was crucified, and that same thought went through his mind as went through mine, mine the other night. No more Jesus. But then Peter recounts here again the, the glorious part of the story that we celebrate today, that, that, that Peter himself was actually there and saw the risen Jesus. And God broke down the wall of death and raised Jesus up as he busted out of the grave. And finally, Peter tells us of the commission now that he has received, that he and the other disciples have received to proclaim forgiveness and life in Jesus because walls are torn down. Hashtag demo day. Bam, down goes the walls that divide us from each other. Bam, down goes the wall of separation between us and God. First, let's talk about those walls that divide us from each other. That's what Peter is talking about when he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter here is talking about the walls that divide Jew and Gentile, slave and free in that culture, rich and poor, walls that that would fall down that separated men and women. Walls that divide black and white. The walls that divided races and cultural groups then and the walls that divide races now. And walls that not only divide but rank and value, saying some on one side of the wall have more value than those on the other side. Those are the walls that Jesus tears down too. I wrote this this week and was hoping at this point in my sermon I would have the most exciting news about Loyola going to the finals tomorrow night. But they're not. It's still an amazing story, though, isn't it? So fun. And all of the stuff that's coming out about Loyola and the faith of of people and Sister Jean and Coach Moser and all that, But there's also this backstory, this very moving story, the 1963 Loyola Ramblers. The last time they were champions. The only time now, I guess, huh? But 1963 is when Coach George Ireland broke some rules and broke down some walls. Coach Ireland broke rules by starting four black players at the same time when the rule said no more than two black, and of course in those days the word Negro was used. But Coach Ireland started four. In response to that, the team faced horrible racial hostility in response. But a wall began to crumble because of Coach Ireland's action, and changes came gradually to NCAA basketball. Changes were already coming in the early 60s in the civil rights movement. There's been progress along the way since then, but there's still too many walls, and some have a stubborn way of getting built back up again. Our best hope of addressing them is in the power and the compassion of a living Jesus who calls us to be wall busters too, to see that people on both sides of the walls that need to come down have equal value in the sight of God. The answer to these difficulties and racial divides is in and through the person of Jesus who reconciles and breaks down walls. 
bam, down, down go the walls that divide us from each other. But also here is the wall that divided us and separated us from God. And that's what Peter is talking about as he relates the story of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. In Acts 10.43, at the very end of the, the reading, it says, All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the wall that fell. Sin was the wall and death was the consequence that kept us from the life-giving presence of God. Sin was a wall that was impossible to tear down by ourselves. No matter how hard people tried to get to God, the wall was too high. And Jesus destroyed it with his death and granted access to life through his resurrection. Access to the one holy, loving, life-giving God available to us in a relationship with Jesus. This is not just a theological reality that we read about and learn about. And if you've been a Christian for a long time, we can recite about the cross and the resurrection. And we believe it and we believe in God. But the fact that we have access in a life-giving relationship is beyond just a theological truth we hold up. It is a real change. This changed everything. My time alone in my office Thursday night pushed me past theological truth and pushed me beyond just what the Bible says, though I believe it. We go beyond that and we go deeper into that to our real life. It pushed me to my real life. And do I know Jesus and walk with him and experience him in the here and now? The wall is gone between us. Does it affect how I live? I was captured by an article in the newest Covenant Companion or or Cov, our denominational magazine, for those who aren't familiar with it. The article was written by Covenant Pastor Kevin Butcher, who serves in a difficult neighborhood in Detroit. We've actually worshipped with him in the past. What captured me, though, was not my familiarity with him, but because the article is about how his family is dealing with the same unwelcome monster that our family is facing and staring down cancer his wife and his case and our daughter and ours. But what really captured me, and I couldn't get it out of my mind as I was looking forward to this morning and this message was this. He talks about knowing the real presence of Jesus. In fact, how he had to know it in the midst of dealing with his wife's cancer, the real presence of Jesus. I want to read just a a portion of the article. It says, I began to ponder, what if heaven isn't somewhere in or even beyond our earthly heavens, but rather is another dimension of reality that coexists alongside ours and is very, very near? After Jesus' resurrection, remember how one minute he was with his disciples in the home where they hid, and then he was gone. He was with Cleopas and his friend on the Emmaus Road, and once again, he was gone. Where did he go? What if he was simply passing from earth to heaven and back again across the thin veil that only seems to separate us from him? 
And what if the heavenly right hand of the Father, Jesus' position of honor and power where Paul says he prays for us, isn't a far-off corner of the universe, but instead is a very, is said is very, very near? When Jesus said, I will be with you always, what if he wasn't speaking theoretically, metaphorically, or symbolically, but literally? In other words, what if in the midst of the spiritual battle, when shells are exploding all around and we're bleeding out and all seems lost, what if we can know that we know that Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected Lord, is actually with us? And Butcher says, today that is exactly what I believe. And I say today that is exactly what I believe too. When Jesus said, I will be with you always, what if he wasn't speaking theoretically, metaphorically, or symbolically, but literally? The wall is gone. There's only a thin veil, perhaps, that stands between us and knowing the real presence, life-giving, guiding, comforting sometimes, encouraging presence of Christ. It was very real to me the other night in my office. Jesus is ready to be with us. He's ready to be with you if you would welcome him and his gift of forgiveness and life. Jesus is here, and it changes everything. This is also what we proclaim as we come to the Lord's table today. It is our custom in covenant churches to share communion on the first Sunday of the month. But whenever Easter lands on a Sunday, I was going to say, no, it's always on a Sunday. Christmas is always on the 25th. Easter is always on a Sunday. But when Easter lands on the first Sunday of the month, we ask, should we do communion? And it takes a long time. There's visitors that may not be familiar with how we do it. And this year, we as leaders talked about it and said, of course we do it because we proclaim the presence of the living Christ. So I encourage you as you receive communion today to let it be an affirmation, a confirmation of Christ with you. And if you don't know Christ, if you haven't, haven't let that wall fall between you and God, this would be a wonderful day, Easter 2018, to say, I finally get it, that Christ can be with me. And in receiving communion today, you could say yes to the Jesus who broke down the walls between you and others and broke down the wall between you and God. Dinah, come join me. We'll be sharing communion up front. There'll be a station at the beginning of each of the four uh, sections here. And you'll go out to your left. and come and receive communion and back in to your right. But before we do that, um, hear these words of invitation. Come to the sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are righteous, but that you sincerely love our Lord Jesus Christ and desire to be his true disciples. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak, not because you have any claim on the grace of God, 
but because in your frailty and sin you stand in constant need of God's mercy. Come not to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray for the Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the Gospels tell us that on the first day of the week, the same day on which our Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples and was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Come then to the joyful feast of the Lord. Join me in the prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We're truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us of our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Here are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul on that Thursday night when he was betrayed. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Join me in prayer. Lord, you gave us these symbols, these powerful symbols, and even more than symbols that speak profoundly of your body and blood. You gave us the gift of the supper that we could touch and see and smell and taste and be in your presence. Lord Jesus, may we encounter you today on this glorious Easter Sunday, you who broke down walls so that we could know you. Jesus, we want to honor you in all that we do, and so in this act of obedience, we tell you that we love you. We pray also as you taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation for thine is from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite our servers to come forward now. And um, as I said, we will, uh, we will come row by row. Uh, you'll go out the left side, come receive first the bread. It is gluten-free. It's all gluten-free. And then you will dip it in the cup uh, of the second person and receive it right then. You don't need to take it back to your seat, but that's, uh, that's how we will make this work. So.